is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 138 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Golden Angel all about how to write erotica and dark romance. Given the content of today's episode, a little like last week, I wanted to mention that there are going to be topics that may trigger uh, listeners. So um, we are going to be talking about very explicit uh, things in relation to erotica and sex um, and also non-consent. And so, uh, yes, I just wanted to be very, very clear up front that um, if you do have any... um, triggers around sex, uh, then this might not be the episode for you. Uh, Like I said, it is very explicit and uh, we do cover both sort of romance, writing about sex and also the darker side of erotica. First to last week's question, which was, who would you like to see on the show or what topics would you like covered? Um, So I've had a number of you email in and I'm really grateful. So thank you so much. Like I've had um, some people suggest topics and I've had other people suggest guests. And it's been really helpful because, you know, it's we've had 138 guests. (laughs) So that's quite a lot. And um, Sometimes it's nice to have suggestions so that I can um, either put them on a list or target them or or maybe work up the confidence to ask them. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who has uh, sent in a suggestion. We had so many uh, that I'm not actually going to read them all out, but I just wanted to make sure that I had said thank you to everybody who um, had sent a uh, suggestion in. So... With regards to comments on Donna Barker's episode, Carla said, I loved this conversation as it was just as mind-blowing for me as it seemed to be for Sasha. It really was. I think it's the first time I ever thought shitty first draft as something to be flushed, connected consciously for me and explained why so many first drafts on my hard drive are absolute shit. They are now my unpolished gems waiting to be cut and shaped and rubbed up to shining brilliance to be shared by the world. S.W. Miller said, such a great episode. Donna, your tip about finding your own rules blew my mind, so thank you. And Karen Heenan said, this was a good one. I tend to think of my first drafts more as scrapbooks, but I, uh, I put pieces in here and there, things I like, things that I think will make sense later. And then once I'm finished, I can see what I've made. The question of the week this week is, tell me something that you've done or created that you are proud of? What is the thing that you are most proud of? And it can't be your children if you have children, because of course I know that you are all very proud of our children. Um, But yes, tell me something that you, uh, tell me about something that you've created or you've made or you've done um, that you have achieved that you are proud of. The book recommendation of the week is Dear Writer, Are You Intuitive? by Becca Syme. Now, I read this uh, just a couple of days after it came out and it was so, so good. It was so digestible. I think I read it in two chunks. I just devoured it. Of course, you all know I'm a huge Becca fan anyway. Um, But I read it because, exciting news, Becca is coming on the podcast. And we are talking about what being an intuitive writer really means. I've already recorded the episode as well. So it is coming and I am super excited. And it was awesome because I actually went back to re-listen to episode 17, which was the original episode 
episode that she um, uh, came on the show. And it was insane to see the growth and like the change in me and like all the stuff I've mentioned. So yeah, I'm really, really, really fucking excited to have her back on. Um, And in that news, we're going to move very quickly into personal update. I was actually asked to be on the competition Quitcast. So Becca has done videos of each individual strength, all 34. I think she just has two left to, to release. But um, she asked me to be on the competition Quitcast. So I will share that in the show notes. In other news, I was on a couple of other podcasts. Uh, I went and was interviewed by Christina from the Writing mindset and we were talking all about um, villains and I was also interviewed by Rachel uh, on the Mary Writer podcast so I will also include links to both of those in the show notes. And then in like what I've been up to, as you know, I have been working on the anatomy of a bestseller and oh my god, I really thought I would be done by this week. I am so close so close so 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 close to the end um what I will say is that I thought this book was going to be 30k I'm now at 45,000 words <laughs> so it's not that um I you know it, it's that I have just been continuing to write uh I'm hoping <laughs> that it won't go over uh, 50k but you never know <laughs> these books are little bastards and they never seem to end but yes I am getting very very close to the end I only have a couple of sections left really now so uh, fingers crossed it will be done before the next time I speak to you let's let's say that shall we um, and I don't think I really have anything else to update on because that has more or less been taking the entirety <laughs> of my waking hours uh, so yeah let's just move on Rebel of the Week this week is Bear and uh, Bear's Rebellion is quite a long one so what I'm going to do is I am going to record it and I'm going to put it at the end of the show I wouldn't normally do this but it is quite a long one and I don't I didn't feel that it was fair to cut it down or edit any of it um, but also I'm aware that otherwise this section before we start the interview will be very long so I'm going to put it right at the end of the show so please please do hang on and listen to it because it is a very empowering um, rebellion. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. You can email your rebel story to Becca on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. A giant thank you and welcome to Carla Halia and Vanessa Wells. I really, really appreciate the support. It means the world to me. And yeah, I'm just so grateful and welcome to the Rebel community. An enormous thank you to all of my existing patrons as well. You guys are fabulous and you help to keep the show running. You help to support my time as well. And I just really deeply appreciate all of you. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus bonus goodies like joining the Slack community, getting involved in movie nights and quarterly challenges, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Okay, one more time then. The Re- Rebellion of the Week will be right at the end of the show. And um, yeah, let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. 
Today, I am really quite excited because I am joined by Golden Angel. Golden is a USA Today best-selling author and self-described bibliophile with a kinky bent who loves to write stories for the characters in her head. If she didn't get them out, she's pretty sure she'd go just a little crazy. She is happily married, old enough to know better, but still too young to care, and a big fan of happily ever afters, strong heroes and heroines, and sizzling chemistry. When she's not writing, she can often be found on the couch reading, in front of her sewing machine making a new cosplay, hanging out with her friends, or wandering the Maryland Renaissance Fair. Hello and welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. I am so excited because this is going to be a naughty episode. <laughs> I have a filter, so yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk all about sex um, and Ooh. writing sex, of course. Of course, I mean, obviously just writing sex, but um, before... <laughs> Before we get to the to the good stuff, um, can you tell everyone a little bit about you and your journey and like how you got to where you are today? So I am Golden Angel and that pen name actually comes from where I got started, which is an erotica website called Literotica. Um, and I wrote on there basically when I was in college, I discovered I finally, you know, had access to porn and discovered that. I'm not a very visual person, but I also, going down that route, I also found erotica and erotic stories. And I discovered that I loved those. <laughs> so um, I am a speed reader. And at the time I had a lot of time on my hands in between class stuff and everything. And I read through everything in their BDSM and non-con categories in about three years. Okay, so before you stop, before we carry on, for <laughs> listeners who don't know what those things mean, those acronyms mean, what do those acronyms mean? Uh, so BDSM, Fifty Shades of Grey. Most people have heard of that. That's kind of the most well-known example. But um, the acronyms, can, the, the letters can actually stand for several different things. There's um, bondage and domination, sadomasochism. There's also, you can say the S&M is slave and master. Um, there's, oh God, there's a couple different things that it, that it can go into. Um, and then for non-con is what is, is I mean that it's rape it's just rape <laughs> but it is a fictionalized um form of uh, uh, non-consent of, it's called non-consent right because, right right which in real life it's just rape but in fiction world you can have dub con dubious consent and you can have non-con and because the consent is in the hands of the reader like the reader the characters aren't consenting, but they're fictional. So the real life person, the reader, they can either consent to read the story or not. And so that's where the consent is for it. Um, and for me, uh, I had had an experience in high school that I had very mixed feelings about. Um, and, you know, I've had friends say, oh, you were assaulted. But the thing is, I didn't feel like I was assaulted. But at the same time, I also felt a lot of shame and guilt and all these things. And for me, when I started reading in that category and I started reading about characters who had those same feelings and were enjoying themselves, um, 
but also like I, it, it, in a lot of ways it was cathartic. It was a little bit of, I'm not alone and a little bit of, Hey, I it's, it's okay that I find this sexy. I'm clearly not the only one who has conflicting feelings about this very serious issue. Um, and while it's not something that I condone in real life, and I am all for some very severe punishments to those who <laughs> uh, would like to do this in real life for fictional purposes, um, and I know I'm not alone in this. I've, I, a lot of people really enjoy it for a whole host of different reasons. Um, and for me, that was like, I went down a rabbit hole. I just had to read all of them. And there were some that I liked better than others. Um, and I, I actually, for a while, once I started writing, because I did, I ran out of things to read. And so I was like, I'm going to start writing. Um, I'm going to write exactly what I want because there were new stories being posted every day, but they weren't exactly what I wanted to read. Um, and so I decided to write it. And I actually, I started in the non-con category and I've kind of moved away from that over the years. I, I feel like it's gotten, I kind of got it out of my system, like all the feelings that I had been repressing um, and, and kind of working through my feelings about what had happened to me. And, and eventually I've, I got it mostly worked out of my system. So now my books are a lot more consenty than a lot of the stories I originally put up on uh, literatica but yeah and that is the amazing thing about words I think is they really truly are healing in so many different ways like there are so much like catharsism and yeah just like healing from like whether you're writing about what happened or or fictionalizing different versions or even different stuff like and you put it in in thematically or yeah I just oh I love the power of words I do too just I mean it's it's one of those things like I, you know, and now we, we call it dark romance. When you see it in books, that's the dark romance genre, the, the non-con, the dub con, the woman who, you know, very much the woman, you know, the bodice ripper um, kind of genre where it's, she doesn't want to enjoy it, but she does. And it is, it's another way of exploring our sexuality. It's another way of exploring our fantasies and it's not for everyone. Mm. And that's okay too. You know, mm. there are some people for whom that is going to be an immediate turnoff and that is absolutely a valid response to it. As long as they also recognize that being into it is also a valid response. Absolutely. Um, like, and then, and, you know, and that's why we have sweet romance just as much as yes. we have erotica, right? Because there's a genre for everyone. And, right. well, um, I need the warning about the sweet romance as much as I need <laughs> the warning that it's a dark romance. Like I need to know going in that the door is going to close in my face and I am not going to get to see what happens in the bedroom. And as long as I'm properly prepared, then I can enjoy the story. But yeah. if I get halfway through and I think it's going to be steamy and it's building up and building up and then I get to it and the door slams in my face I'm pissed mm. <laughs> like so you need yeah any any book any genre you need to go in knowing you know you want the proper mindset going in so that your expectations can be fulfilled absolutely Okay, so I think one of the, the bigger questions that I got when I asked patrons and I told them that you were coming on the show yeah. <laughs> was trying to understand where that line is. What makes something erotica versus just a steamy romance or like just a dark, darker romance? Or, yeah, like are there particular words or phrases that will um, 
make something erotica? Is it about the quantity of sex? Is it about the type of sex or um, uh, the kinkiness of the sex? Like, what is it that will make something erotica versus just plain romance or, or steamy romance? Well, my answer is going to be a little bit different from Amazon's categories because Amazon would have you think that as soon as something is kinky, it is erotica. There is no BDSM romance category. There is only BDSM erotica. But there's an awful lot of BDSM romance out there. And I do think that there is a distinct difference. Um, I actually have three separate categories. And I think that a lot of the overlap is where people get confused. So we've on one end, we've got erotica, which... Yes, the like the I think I don't even know where I got this definition from, but kind of the accepted definition of erotica is that it is the sex drives the plot. It's all about the sex, and there's mm. going to be a lot of the sex. And it, you know, you can do it in different ways. You can have the sex like multiple sex scenes throughout with little tiny bits of plot in between. You can have a little bit of plot and then just one giant long sex scene that goes on forever, and then a tiny little bit of plot to finish it out. Um, and then on the other hand, you have the steamy romance where the plot drives the story and there is sex and there is steam but it's not um the the sex doesn't drive it it's like a bonus um and then in the middle of those you have erotic romance and that's where the words start to matter so erotic romance is a lot like steamy romance in that the plot drives the story. You could remove the sex if you wanted to, like there would still be plot, there would still be a story. Um, but the difference is in the verbiage. So steamy romance tends to have a lot of euphemisms. Um, erotic romance is gonna say cock, pussy, cunt, tits, whatever. You know, I mean, you can, and I can write the same story either way. So if I'm, if I wanted to write a steamy romance, you know, I would say he spread her thighs open and um, hooked his arms around them and thrust into her rocking back and forth as she writhed underneath him. Um, for, and that would be steamy romance. And then that exact same passage, erotic romance would be, you know, he spread her thighs open and hooked his his arms around her and his cock pressed against her pussy and he thrust in and he rode her as dick moving in and out of her um as she writhed underneath him and that's that's it that's the difference <laughs> like, wow yeah. okay like i am learning so much <laughs> um, okay so uh could you and, and normally i would leave this to the end and maybe we'll come back to, we'll do a full circle but can you recommend a book of yours for somebody to start with and then maybe a book of somebody else's so like let's say nobody this part like let's say listeners have never read erotica or steamy wait what was it erotic erotic romance so erotica, erotic romance and steamy and yeah. then close <laughs> yeah 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 can you can you recommend sort of somewhere to start so if you want erotica um one of the first books that i ever published was actually originally a story on um uh, literatica. And what happened was readers asked me to turn it into a book so that they could purchase it. And I did. Um, and so it is, it's different from like a normal book in that the, it, it was written as a serial. So people who like read on Radish or Good Novel and on any of the serial apps will kind of recognize the format. Um, but it is erotica because there is very little plot. It is almost entirely sex scenes. Uh, and it's called The Venus School. Um, 
And in contrast, the very second book in that series, it shifts from being erotica to erotic romance because the rest of that series was not originally up on the website. It was the story of what happens after she gets home from this school of sex. And it it was all the stuff that I didn't feel, it was the story that I wanted to tell, but what was like, well, this isn't, this doesn't work for an erotica website. This is an erotica. So I was never going to do it until the readers asked me for the book. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll put out the book and then I'll finish up the story that I wanted to write. Like I'll, I'll make more books in that series and complete the story. Um, but if you want really good erotic romance, Lexi Blake is one of my favorites. If you want some that is uh, erotic romance, but not kinky, because Lexi Blake is also kinky. I might have to think a little bit harder about this. Erin mm -hmm. um, Nicholas does small town romance, and she kind of treads right on the line between erotic romance and steamy romance. Um, she's in very much like a gray area between the two of those, but she would be someone like if you wanted some, if you wanted to know a little bit more about like non kinky erotic romance, she's a good one. And her story. Yeah. Gateway. Yeah. Um, awesome. and then for steamy romance, most of the people that you think of as romance authors tend to write steamy, um, mm -hmm. unless you have specifically gone down the erotic romance rabbit hole. <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah. I already feel educated. Um, <laughs> can you can you talk a little bit about the genres within erotica and like the sub niches? Because there are like a whole bunch of kinks. And um, for somebody who doesn't, you know, I mostly read YA, which is about as different as you can get. <laughs> so, although I am 100% going to go and read some erotica after this. But um can you yeah can you can you, like what are the biggest niches what are the biggest kinks that you that, that are kind of popular at the moment oh well I, daddy dom has gotten huge in the past few years and um, you can find that now in steamy romance erotic romance erotica it is everywhere what, it, what does it, it mean so daddy doms so I mean, BDSM was, was pretty big, but then it really blew up. Like it was a big niche genre. So it was like big within the people who knew about it. And then Fifty Shades really blew that up. Um, and then people started kind of looking into more of these kinks. And there was this very small little community within the BDSM romance community that was writing Daddy Dom and Age Play. Um, and there's a variety within that daddy doms sometimes incorporate age play sometimes they don't um but it's very much about a caretaker dominant so instead of someone who's going you know do this please me you know it's more it's almost more of a domestic discipline um kind of agreement so it tends to be a little bit more 24 seven the the fantasy behind it is the fantasy of having someone to take care of you the fantasy of being able to give over all of your adult responsibilities to someone who loves you um and is going to take care of all of them and is going to let you just go have fun and do whatever you want and feel good um and sometimes there'll be sexy times during those books and sometimes there won't it really depends on the author um there are some authors who enjoy incorporating, you know, like the, the, it takes over, the Dom takes over to the point of when they're in bed, he's still doing the caretaking and everything like that. And, 
Um, and then there's some who are who say, no, the daddy dynamic has to stay out of the bedroom. I'm not comfortable writing that. And so that's what they do. Um, and then there's some who just, uh, and then there is also just, okay, he's kind of a caretaker, but she doesn't really have like the, what they call the little headspace. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, when, when she's having he or she, when they, the submissive is having little time, um, they might, you know, watch Disney movies or color or play board games or, you know, do whatever fun thing they like to do that has nothing to do with being an adult. Um, and it's kind of about escaping all of those responsibilities and handing them to someone and, and knowing that it's not going to fall apart when you do and being able to hand them to hand them to someone who's going to take care of you. Um, and it's, I mean, <laughs> It is when I first started reading it, I was like, oh, daddy, oh no, who wants to call their husband daddy or like their lover daddy? I was like, I was so squicked out. And then I started reading them and I could not stop. And I was like, this is it. This right here, this is my fantasy, just handing over everything. I will sit here and color and the world will not fall apart. Like, that is like my ultimate fantasy so I t ended up totally falling in love with the genre um and it's huge now I'm I am part of um the dirty daddy's party room on Facebook I'm one of the admins and we have hit we have an anniversary anthology that we've done for three years in a row now two out of those three years we've hit the USA Today bestsellers list um and and the the first year we did it, it was priced at 99 cents. This past year, it was priced at 2.99. Um, and but it's it has become such a huge genre. The party room is is just growing every day. Like people love this, and I'm like, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> now that I've read it, I get it. Um, and and there is there's something for everyone. Like you can just have the people who want to have like a little bit of the caretaker, and she calls him daddy all the way up to, you know, he dresses her in like what, in the child, in like children's clothing and she completely gives over every bit of control. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun genre. It's got, and, and there's, and it's all over too. Like that's the thing, there's sci-fi, there's historical, there's fantasy, there's contemporary, like anything that you can think of, you can probably find a daddy dom in it. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> maybe even sapphic fiction as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> You'll find this funny. They told me no, but I'm still going to be pushing for it at some point. So I'm for the anthology this year. I'm writing Taco Daddy. And I was like, I really want to make this like FF because there's a like I have gone down the lesbian daddy tiktok rabbit hole and i like it there uh, <laughs> seriously like lesbian first traps this is, and it's your fault it is your fault you have ruined I'm so me for, i'm so sorry for sending you the lesbian first trap i am so grateful <laughs> oh my god my, my, Oh god, they're amazing. They are actually amazing. I don't know how there are any straight women left, honestly. Um you know it's not a choice. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because if it was a choice, TikTok knows. Yeah, right. Um, okay. So like what um 
are they like what is the general consensus in terms of like the types of story are they series are they more standalones are they interconnected standalones what do you tend to find in erotica you I mean you get as much variety as you do in any other genre and I mean especially erotica you can you have everything from like the erotic shorts to these like incredibly long serials to these long series to I mean you can there's one woman uh oh gosh what is this author's name I think it's Mimi Wild and she writes exclusively cuckold erotica and she writes a ton of it and she's always coming up with different storylines and everything but she's got some really long-running series in them too um and it, I mean, it, you can find anything. My favorite one, <laughs> my favorite one that I, uh, TikTok loves this book. Um, I went down the pew cow rabbit hole. So similar to pet play, if anyone's heard of that. So when you, you have the daddy doms taking away all the responsibilities and the submissive um, gets more like of a childlike experience, pet play would be them getting more of a pet experience. So we've not only gone, I'm giving up all of my responsibilities, but I'm gonna be treated as a pampered pet. Um, which usually, which can involve a little bit of dress up, like a little bit of role play, um, usually some kind of butt plug with a tail. Cute cow oh. takes a, Yeah. <laughs> I saw one of those for the first time recently <laughs> in London. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I had yeah. never seen one of those before. So I am like all like, le- I am a learned scholar in this now. <laughs> Yeah, we were in Soho and uh, I was like, let's go in the shop. And um, yeah, I, I that was an experience. I did not know oh, they yeah. existed until about a month ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I don't know what that says about me. Um, okay. Well, it's, there's been a pandemic. There's been a pandemic. It hasn't been out of the house much. <laughs> what, what makes a good erotica novel? Like how much sex is needed? Is there like a difference in story structure, like what you would um, expect in terms of story structure, or does it follow like a romance story structure or like, yeah. What what advice would you give to authors approaching erotica for the very first time? So for erotica, I would say there's, a lot of it is really up to you. In some ways there is more freedom in erotica because it doesn't have to follow. You can, but it doesn't have to follow the kind of, usual story structure and especially if you're writing a serial like for a website or one of the apps um and the focus is erotica a lot of it is just exploring different ways of having sex so i would say if you're gonna write like a whole lot of sex it's it's usually about exploring more than one thing so if they're having sex in the same position every single time readers are going to kind of lose interest Um, so a lot of the time when I was writing, when I was writing erotica, one of the reasons that I really was drawn to writing BEDSM, in addition to the fact that it was just what interested me, but was that there was so much variety within it. So I could explore all sorts of crazy toys and implements and the different sensations and different positions and different dynamics. And I think that's really what keeps people coming back, um, is, is 
a, a little bit different, but the same, if that makes sense. So like that author I mentioned earlier that writes the cuckold, like that's all she writes, but it's always a little bit different. You know, the, you know, all of her books have, um, you know, kind of, they've got shame. They've got, uh, usually they're, they're usually not romance. It's some man coming in and rescuing, um, this, woman from her humdrum marriage with its lackluster sex life and then all of a sudden she meets this guy and he you know opens up her eyes to all these new possibilities um so does that mean cheating is allowed in erotica in erotica absolutely oh yeah oh. there's a category for it there's Did a not know that there are couples, okay. there are cut queens. Like once you start going, and once you start going down the erotica rabbit hole, like on Amazon, the algorithm catches on. And they like, that's how I found Hugh Cow is I went down some weird thing. And then I found myself with the Hugh Cows, which is basically like pet play, but cows and also breast milk. Um, and I was just like, I can't, I was like, why am I reading this? I can't believe I'm reading this. Why am I, I read Sasha, I read so much of it. <laughs> and then I wrote one because I couldn't get it out of my head because I'd read all of it. And so then mine was a little bit more romancy. Um, and I've actually had a lot of readers message me because they're like, um, we're going to need you to write more of this because <laughs> I can find a lot of erotica, but I can't find any, like I'm having, I'm struggling to find Hugh Cow romance. So if anyone is out there looking for a very niche romance category. <laughs> and what's the, the Hugh Cow? What does that mean? Human Cow. Oh, okay. Okay. There is a whole language here. Like there is a whole new language. I need like a dictionary and some, like a glossary of all the terms. Yeah. So I actually, my, that, and that book is under my other pen name. I have a separate pen name for my erotica and my fetish and dark romance stuff. It's, um, Sinistre Ange. And I separated it so that I could have a place where I could write like the really kind of dark, twisted, filthy, doesn't always have a happily ever after stuff that uh, Golden Angel, because Golden Angel writes kinky, but it's always happily ever after. And for the most part, it's romance. I don't write a lot of erotica as Golden Angel. It's mostly erotic. It's pretty much all erotic romance. Um, kinky, but romance. Sinistreange is where I can go and I can write. I can still, like when I get in the mood to write some dub con, um, I can do that and I can do... Um, the weird fetish stuff that golden angel doesn't do <laughs> i've got and actually it's interesting i wrote the second I, I have a whole series where i'm i kind of am exploring different fetishes so the first book was hugh cow the second book was daddy dom because back when i wrote it that was such a niche like the daddy dom it was and it was age play too but it was such a niche like hidden little and i was like well this is one of those like kinky fetishes that's never going to see the light of day, like mainstream. And now the daddies are everywhere. And I'm just like, all right, didn't predict that. And the third book is pet play. And I'm starting to see pet play, more pet play books becoming a little bit like they're, they're picking up. And I'm like, is this about to be like the next, because I feel like Omegaverse right now is kind of leading the way and opening doors for pet play. Um, Omegaverse is basically like really, really filthy shifters uh, so, but humans, they don't shift, usually, they don't always shift, and they have uh, animal attributes even when they're in their human form. So it's also not that far away from doing the pet play stuff. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, oh my God, Sasha, there's so many. You can go down so many different rabbit holes. 
I um, really feel like I need a reading list from you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a weird one. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Um, <clears throat> okay. So um, I had a lot of questions. Um, yes. I just lost my questions. <laughs> I have all of the questions, trust me. <laughs> but I had a lot of questions from patrons about yeah. terminology and language. So, um, and, and I think you've covered a little bit of this, but like what specific language is appropriate for sex scenes and body parts and what language is not appropriate? And I suppose, I suppose, can you just cut, yeah, just maybe go back over the steamy romance versus like the erotica. So steamy for the most part, you can get away with like an occasional dick or cock. Um, but for the most part, it, you're you're more likely to see things like shaft, and okay. you know, I wrapped my fingers around his erection. He rubbed himself against me. I felt it through my core. You do see nipples now, which is fun. And butt sex has actually become more mainstream, but they still kind of do euphemisms, you know. Whereas in erotic romance, it's uh, erotic romance and erotica. It's dick, cock, pussy, it's anything. Um, sphincter anus like all the what you don't see a lot of in any of them other than medical romance and erotica are penis and vagina those and it's uh, and i get it because like mo nine times out of ten when i come across a sex scene where it's penis and vagina i'm just like like yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't feel right that doesn't feel right. why not just say cock yeah. There's just something very um, sterile about mm. it. And the only times I've really seen it work, Emily Tilton, I don't know how she does it. She writes these fantastically filthy dubcon um, medical, they're not all medical though, but that, that's the thing. But it's it's very, in, in a, it, most of them have this kind of medical feel to them. And she uses penis and vagina all over the place. And it's the only, she's the only author that I consistently am like, yep, this is hot. I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you are doing it, but somehow when she uses penis and vagina, it's sexy. And when another author does it, or I try to do it, it is not. <laughs> okay so there there was another question around non like genitals so aside from like tits dicks fannies like asses whatever and how can you or what advice would you give to authors to help make other areas of the body more erogenous like how would you make them more like I don't know sexy and intimate like yeah what what kind of advice would you have for description so, and I think this is where a lot of people kind of don't realize um, when they're writing or even when they're reading, they maybe don't notice, but I, <laughs> I have written so many sex scenes and read so many sex scenes. Um, and what I have really discovered is that a lot of it is actually not about the descriptions of, um, you know, like penis entering vagina or whatever, like, for the most part, what makes it sexy is everything else that you're describing. You know, if someone 
if you're if especially the foreplay like having the buildup um so describing the emotions that people are feeling during it because if you're just describing okay you know he touched her and she liked it and she was turned on like that's it's like okay well he touched her and she was turned on but that doesn't give me the feeling of it so you know if he touches her along her arm and then all the hair stands up on the back of her neck and she feels a tingle that goes through her body that's very different from, okay, he touched her arm and then he moved it to her breast. So if he, you know, he touches her arm and she feels the tingles and he traces his finger slowly all the way up to her breast and her nipples get hard and erect. And then, you know, like that's, you're describing what the body is doing, but you're also giving people kind of um, points of reference. Like they know how they feel when they're aroused. And so if you tell them what the, um, character's body is doing if you tell them you know like when he touches her breath her breast she takes in uh, you know she breathes in quickly or take has a quick intake of breath um or she touch you know she touches his nipples and he shudders um it, the the makes a small noise in the back of their throat like if you start really thinking paying attention to what you do um and if that's too weird then go ahead and like read read books read books that you like that turn you on and then once you know that this is a scene that works for you start analyzing it break it down like what about it is working for me is it because i'm in the character's head and i know what they're thinking and i know how excited they are is it because i can f this author is making me feel what the character is feeling like the physical sensations because they are also things that i have felt before um is it just like or is it like it might be just that it's like you'd like the description of the actual act in which case that might be what you write because there is an audience out there for that um when it comes to writing romance you're going to have a bigger audience if you're describing the feelings and the emotions and um the bodily reactions and everything but erotica erotica is actually very forgiving and that you can do that or not um you can and and you can, I mean, you can, erotic is nice because there's a lot less expectation <laughs> in some ways um, because there is, there is such a plethora of different interests. So you can find an audience for it. It might not be the biggest audience, um, but there's an audience for almost everything. Like there, <laughs> for, there's an audience for like everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Sex. How do you write a really good sex scene? What tips or advice do you have? Like, how do you avoid making it sound mechanical? Because we all know nobody wants to be banged in a mechanical way. <laughs> I don't know. I did just write an entire book where he used an actual sex machine, Victorian oh, okay. era. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I think... I think a lot of it comes down to the descriptions that are used. And there is, there is a lot to be said for word choice. Um, not, and I know when I tend to write erotic romance, it isn't just cock and dick and pussy. The, you know, euphemisms do get worked into there. Um, and I think a lot of it is, is, is there's a, there's a natural pacing that goes to it, whether it's the characters are having a quickie, in which case it is going to be a quick sex scene, but you still need, 
in that case, you need to help build the feeling of urgency. And like, why is it a quickie? Is it because they're going to get caught? Is it because they're on a time limit? Is it because they just can't keep their hands off each other? Like all of those things feel very different. And so you have to think about what the, you know, what the emotions are, what's driving the characters. And that should be worked into the sex scene as well, because that's what makes it dynamic. Um, because anybody can write just a description of how to have sex. Like anybody can do that. If you're going to make people feel and become aroused themselves, which let's be honest, half the time, that is the purpose of a sex scene. Like you want them to be in there with the character getting hot. Um, We call them one-handed reads for a reason. (laughs) Like they need to be able to identify with the character. That is amazing. I have never heard that before. That is spectacular. No. (laughs) Oh yeah. One-handed reads. And uh, I like to call the audiobooks the hands-free experience. This is amazing. Oh, this is amazing. I, this is amazing. I can't listen. I cannot. I cannot listen to um, audio, my own audio books. I can't. I hate hearing myself. But my husband and I on a, on a trip home once, we were listening to Anne Rice's Sleeping Beauty. And when we got there, it was just like, all right, no, we got to get out of the car. Leave the bags. We'll come back for them. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I don't even know where I am. Uh, what, what are the most common mistakes you see uh, new erotic author writers making? Two things, I would say, probably. Um, the first is rushing is is rushing the sex scene, you know, just and and just doing doing the kind of mechanical description where they don't they aren't really in the characters heads it's just about um the the physicality and not even just the physicality but like very much like okay this happened and this happened and this happened without talking without describing how it's making the characters feel without describing what reactions are happening to the character's body within the character's body um and and that's that's a big one uh, because that's where the connection to the readers comes from. And that's what usually draws the readers in. Um, And then the second one would uh, probably be those who try to, uh, this is like a hard thing to describe. (laughs) Like when you, when you overdo trying to make it sexy um, and it's, it's hard to describe because it's like, well, you're trying too hard. And it's like, well, but how? So it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you can recognize it, but describing it is a little difficult, but it's getting, getting kind of carried away with the language. And it's usually this, this is something I usually see more often with steamy writers where they're using the euphemisms and they're getting really carried away with describing it in these really splendid terms to the point where you're almost like, wait, is this, are they having sex or are they like floating on the wind like dandelions? Like what is going on? Um, And if you want a really good example of someone who actually does the euphemisms and everything very well and very steamy, Stephanie Lawrence is one of my favorite historical romance writers. And she writes the most sweepingly beautiful sex scenes. Um, And I sometimes wonder if some of the readers, if some of like, if people are like trying to, do stuff like that when they go overboard with it but she does a very good job of keeping it keeping a nice tight rein on it so that yes there's a lot of euphemisms and it's this 
beautiful, glorious description of coming together and the passionate lovemaking, but she keeps it right on the line so that it doesn't cross over into just being like this euphemistic, massive metaphor that you're like, wait, I can't, you've lost me. <laughs> okay, masturbation. Not something that I see in like any genre I don't think so I funnily enough I read a young adult book last year and it mentioned masturbation or like not that it mentioned it but like it kind of it alluded to that that was the fact and then you know the hands went where the hands needed to go (laughs) and then it faded to black right so like it, it happened because I remember going whoa I don't think I and then like that it never I never forgot because it's like the only time that's ever happened so it seems like a bit of a no-no in mainstream genres so is it is it more commonly seen in erotica are there any taboos in erotica like um why do you think it's not seen in mainstream romance um yeah I don't know just let's talk about ranking basically (laughs) in erotica as far as I can tell there are no taboos right (laughs) (laughs) you absolutely like there is a genre within erotica that's very much into voyeurism and exhibitionism and you'll get the people jerking off and people masturbating and watching each other or just doing it because that's what they like to do a lot of the time it will be tied in with a voyeurism exhibitionism kink though um with romance where you see it is usually in more slow burn romances and i think that's why we don't see it maybe quite as much is because when it comes to the steamy and erotic romances, readers tend to want the characters to get together fairly early. Um, So if you're doing more of a slow burn, one of the tricks that you can do is throw in masturbation scenes towards the beginning of the book so that that way you get like the fantasy and you know, they're thinking about it and they're pleasuring themselves, but they're not, and that's a way to kind of work in like a sneaky sex scene early before the characters actually get together. But since what readers mostly want is for the characters to just hurry up and get together, it's not, you know, it's not really quite as interesting. There are books out there where um, it's happened. This It's more common in BDSM romance to have it where they're, because again, it works into the exhibitionism and voyeurism kink, but having um, one part of the couple watching, one of the characters watching the other character. Um, You don't see it as often when they're doing it by themselves, just because, again, for the most part, readers want the characters to get together. Mm -hmm. Um, I did actually, my most recent book, uh, The Duke's Pursuit, which is a, it's a historical romance and it's done through a publisher and it's supposed to be erotica, but it was, and it, it is, but like it was kind of verging a little bit more towards erotic romance just because it was a little bit more slow burn. And so one of the notes that the editor gave me was they were like, um, we're going to need some masturbation scenes in the beginning because there needs to be some kind of sexy stuff going on. I was like, okay. So I went back and I added in two masturbation scenes, one for him and one for her. Um, and it is, that's what it is. It's used as a, okay, I promise you there's sexy times coming. We just aren't there yet. (laughs) Okay. So obviously we've talked about the fact that that there are a plethora of kind of kinks and sub niches and all of like the the, uh, dub con and non con and, and all of the rest of it. So Obviously, going into erotica, readers must know that they are going into kinks and, and subgenres. But 
what about trigger warnings? Like, what is the deal with trigger warnings? Do you have to put trigger warnings in? Is it advised to? When do you do them? When do you not do them? Is it obvious just because of the genres people are reading in? Or like, how how does that work? So I am absolutely all in favor of trigger warnings. Um, and especially in dark romance, I do think that they're almost necessary, dark romance and dark erotica, because you are dealing with very sensitive subject matter when it comes to non-con and dub-con, and that's not, it's not for everyone. Um, and and I do think readers who, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing about triggers is that they are things that cause psychological harm, and no one wants to harm their readers, you, you would hope. Um, However, there are also such things as content warnings, which would be different from trigger warnings. So trigger warning would be like, you know, there's sexual assault in this book. There's non-con in this book. These are things that could actually like trigger and cause psychological harm to someone versus something like this book has Hugh Cows. Um, that's a content warning. <laughs> Hugh Cows are probably, I mean, you wouldn't, maybe they would cause someone psychological harm, but they wouldn't be on like the list of things that you would expect to possibly trigger someone. Um, so like Hugh Cow, Pet Play, Daddy Dom, Age Play, those are all like content warning things. And I think a lot of authors for the most part, when it comes to content warning things, we try to do our best to make sure that it's, that people can figure it out from the blurbs and everything like that. Um, with trigger is that, warnings, where you, is that where you put the trigger warnings and content warnings is in the blurbs or does it so Amazon can make this a little bit diff difficult um, because some of the things that you would like to put into trigger warnings will also cause your book to be thrown in the dungeon. And that's something that you have to be careful of, especially when you're writing erotica, um, because it, the, the dungeon isn't just being thrown into erotica. It is when Amazon makes your book unsearchable. Um, like you go to the Amazon search bar, you type in the sassy submissive by Golden Angel, my book will not come up. It has been dungeoned. Um, you can find it by visiting the book series page. You can find it by going to my author page and scrolling through all my books. Uh, but otherwise, you have to have a direct link to get to that book. Those are those are the three ways you can find it. You can't search for it. It's not discoverable. Um, and that's because Amazon decided that it was so naughty. It needed it couldn't. God forbid anyone be able to accidentally stumble across it. What did um, you do in it? <laughs> I nothing. It's not even erotica. I mean, it's BDSM, but like they don't even have sex until the sixty percent mark. Like it's yeah. Um, I don't know. I still don't know. Uh, but I haven't been able to get it undungeoned, and I haven't been able to get it out of. It's my one book that I haven't been able to move out of erotica. Um, and I have a few other books that are in erotica that are actually erotic romance, but it's by choice because that's the BDSM is the only available is erotica. Um, so what was I saying? <laughs> trigger. Well, I think we were talking about trigger warnings. Right. So some of the things that you would like to put in your trigger warnings, like non-con or dubcon, can get, you know, like if you say, oh, it's got non-con, it's got sexual assault, it's got knife play, it's got, you know, like, Breath play, edge play, reverse harem. Some of these things can get you dungeoned. Um, and then your book is not searchable. And so what a lot of authors do now is we'll have a trigger warning page within the book, or we'll list them on our website and say, you know, check website for TW, which is the short for trigger warnings, or CW, which is the content warnings. Um, 
And so that way, if someone knows I have triggers, they can go and look and make sure that none of their triggers are listed either on the first page of the book, because you can see that in the sample or, you know, on the look inside, um, or they can check the website. And so that's a really good way to do it. If you want to make sure that you're being conscientious about this. And I know trigger, trigger warnings are like a big hot topic issue on TikTok right now, but it's one of those things where I do think it is eventually going to become standard, um, we have, we have them for movies. We have them for fan. They're all over fanfic sites, like the, which is mostly younger readers and writers. So eventually I think these are going to become just standard, um, things that we do, which makes sense to me. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay. My, my last question before I ask the ultimate podcast question, okay. oh dear. um, no, no. So I didn't prepare you for this one, but um, you, you sort of <laughs> mentioned how uh, Amazon can throw erotic write- writers into the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's really hard to you can't like there's loads of advertising that you can't do. So how mm-hmm. the fuck do you even market erotica? Um, so one of the nice things about Facebook is that Facebook will let you market erotica. You just have to be very careful with your ad. Um, so like no super graphic imagery, nothing in the like description. You want to make sure that you fill out both the headline and there's like this little like subtitle headline that doesn't even show up on most of the ads, but you want to make sure to fill that in. Otherwise it might try to grab it from the Amazon page. And if there's anything on the Amazon page that it doesn't like it, Facebook will reject it. But as long as you have it all filled in and you've got a nice, you know, like it can be sexy, but not like super sexual and everything like that. Like I advertise at the, the sassy submissive, which is not, you can't find it, you know, you can't find it on Amazon by searching for it. I can still advertise it on Facebook. And I do. Um, the other way that I advertise it is in paid newsletters. So things like free booksy, fussy librarian, um, red feather romance. Uh, you know, I, there's, there's more than just romance ones. I focus on the romance ones, but free booksy and fussy librarian both have, um, newsletters from multiple genres, bookbub, obviously when I can get them. Um, and so that's the, because it's my first in series and it's a freebie, I can put it in paid newsletters and have it go out to a whole bunch of people. Um, and so that's a really good and easy way for me to do it. So I put it in like two to three newsletters every month for about six months. And then I do six months with one of my other perma freebies and then switch back to it and do another round robin. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. <laughs> so can you tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel? And I have to say, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a rebel story. <laughs> oh gosh here well does it need like book world or like life or it can be anything because I got to I was not a rebellious kid I was such a good good goody two-shoes growing up um so yeah I think so for me it would be book world it's actually my most recent release um I I still can't believe the publisher took it honestly uh it's called the duke's pursuit and I when I described the plot to one of my author friends she's like so you just took all the historical romance tropes and set them on fire I was like yeah yeah that's that's about right um I love historical romance. Please do not think that I don't. But when I read the same trope over and over and over again, I get this urge to just break it. Um, And one of the tropes that eventually started to get under my skin was the 
heroine and hero for some reason things don't work out they might have gotten married already and then he abandons her they might have just been engaged and he left her at the altar they might have been courting and they broke up whatever for whatever reason and then he goes off and fucks half of europe while she stays home and is chased and right when she's about to start living her own life he comes back and is like you're the only woman for me and wins her back I love this story. Like, this is one of my, it's one of my favorite romance lines. I'm a sucker for the second chance romance, but it was really starting to annoy me how she has to be chased all the time. Like, she's always chasing. This happens in historical and contemporary. It doesn't matter. Um, and I have written several books, uh, including a contemporary one where I did the second chance and they had lovers in between and it wasn't like they were pining for each other for 10 years. They they just came back to, to each other and fell back in love. With this one, I decided to take it a step farther. So he comes back, like she, she, he, he kiss, he's like, he's courting her. Her parents decide that she's not worthy to be in their family he's going to be a duke one day she's not on par um and so they pressure him and so he drops her and she has to marry someone else so she marries this guy he's a rake and he's sleeping around with other women too but he basically shows her that hey things can be pretty great in the bedroom uh he's a very good lover and, and that's something else you don't see, especially in historical romances. Like if they've had a husband or boyfriend beforehand, like they're always a terrible lover. I'm like, no, no, he was a good lover. And he showed her that this could be a lot of fun. So when he dies um, in a carriage accident with his mistress, like two years later, <laughs> uh, she comes back to London and she's ready to take a lover. She's like, I am now a married widow. I can do what I want. I'm coming to London and taking a lover. So of course her original love finds out that she's back in town and he wants to win her back. And she's basically, and, and this is, this is what normally happens. She's like, fuck you. Um, and he's like, no, I'm going to win you back. And so this is where I differ. And I said, okay. She says, okay. It's my favorite conversation probably that I've ever written. She says, okay, sure. You can try to win me back. You're going to have to stay chased while you do it though. And I'm going to keep on doing what my plan for the season was, which was finding a lover and he gets all pissed about this. And he's like, um, excuse me, like, why don't shouldn't you have to stay chased while I'm wooing you too? And she goes, no, because I don't want you. If you want me, you're going to need to prove it. But I don't actually want you. So I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. And she, oh has God, on, she has on page sex with multiple other lovers. Oh, <laughs> my God. threesome with, like, another duke and his mistress. And I'm still, I cannot believe that the publisher was like, yeah, we'll take it. I was like, okay. <laughs> what, is this one out? It's out. It just came out two weeks ago. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, guys, I think that is the, uh, that is the book that everybody should go and buy. Oh. Um, okay. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thanks um, for having me. Would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your books and like anything else you would like to add? <laughs> um, so website is www.goldenangelromance.com. Um, I am mostly on Facebook as Golden Angel or TikTok as Golden Angel Romance. Uh, those are the two main places to find me. And especially if you like writing um, on TikTok, I have an ongoing series that I call just the tip um, where I do author tips for authors they're just short little videos so far people have been telling me they're useful um 
So, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've had a blast. I, I have absolutely loved this conversation and I am definitely going to uh, pick your brains about a couple of things afterwards, I think. Um, so yes, thank you so much. And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the show's listeners and the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black, you were listening to Golden Angel, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Okay, as mentioned, before I sign off from this podcast, I'm going to read Bear's Rebellion. Another reason for including this at the end of the episode is because um, in light of the number of difficult topics I have covered recently, this uh, rebellion does include some difficult topics as well. And therefore, I just wanted to give listeners a chance to opt out of it. Um, If you have trigger warnings, I'm trying to be really uh, conscious of trigger warnings uh, at the moment. And so I'm hoping that this is helpful to listeners. But um, if uh, any sort of trigger, if you have triggers around hearing Um, about poor parental relationships and uh, abuse, then this is not the rebellion for you to listen to. To set the scene and story, I grew up with a narcissist for a father. On the outside, to everyone around us, it looked as though we had a wonderful and close father-daughter relationship, one that I was told was enviable. Unfortunately, though, as I grew up and began to to develop a mind of my own, I began to see him for what he really was and how he was actually treating my mother and myself. My father is one of those men who knows every tool in the world like the back of his hand, who could quite literally build an entire house by themselves. I've seen him do it. He built me a little house in my backyard with air conditioning, Wi-Fi, twin lofts and a mini fridge. That is very cool, by the way, Bear. So I was raised carrying his heavy toolbox, how to do everything from plumbing, electrical and carpentry to being taught how to hit a nail in one go with a hammer. There's even a video somewhere of me where I'm using where I'm with my father using a chainsaw at maybe just barely five years old. Blimey. All that said, it was no wonder for for most of my young life, I was more like a tomboy than I was a girly girl. Then again, you could never find me without my little mermaid tiara from ages two to eight, even while digging in the dirt, building something with my dad. I began to notice my relationship with my father uh, going downhill around my high school years, where I began to learn more about myself, as well as expressing myself more authentically, i.e. wearing heels and makeup, dresses, dreaming about kissing girls. So while my father didn't take very quickly to me growing out of my tomboy phase, when I came out, he was quite accepting. Now to jump to the actual heart of the story. I started dating my boyfriend back in August of 2020. My boyfriend and I have known each other since we were both 12 and have been in love with each other since we were at least 13 to 14 years old. My dad had known this since we were 14 but never liked the idea of having his little girl date anyone. Like for many of us, 2020 was a difficult year, but for me, it had less to do with dealing with a worldwide pandemic and more to do with the fact that I was coming to terms with the fact that I had been emotionally abused and mentally manipulated by my father since I was at least 12. So when my boyfriend came into the picture, he helped me come to terms and understand the fact that I was being abused. He helped me through numerous episodes, as I have come to call them, where my dad would blow up on my mother and myself and say the nastiest shit 
you could ever say to your wife and daughter. Mind you, my boyfriend has a very adventurous and rebellious free spirit and my dad knew and saw this and didn't like it. So a few months into my relationship, my boyfriend and I began to have what we called midnight rendezvous, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, where we would stay up late into the evening and early morning in the backyard house doing things. This definitely, in some ways, was a massive fuck you to my father because in doing our midnight rendezvous, I, we, were breaking some pretty big rules my father had made. Nonetheless, these meetings continued and miraculously, we were never caught. Granted, I knew the best ways to sneak in and out and how to avoid activating cameras and motion sensors. After one particular blow up in July of 2021, that's when things really began to take a turn. My father had accused my boyfriend of being a bad influence because I broke one of my dad's rules. The reality was we'd gone to see a movie and I had gotten really bad motion sickness. So bad I had to run to the bathroom and vomit in a toilet. Feeling so sick to my stomach, my boyfriend took me back to his house since it was closer than mine. I thought I could bear through it, so he ordered takeout. Thinking eating some mild soup might settle my stomach, it only made it worse, so I threw up in his toilet. Feeling like such crap, I decided I didn't want to move or go anywhere, especially home. So I called my mum since she was up making bread at 11pm like a crazy woman and told her I was spending the night. The following day, my father was furious. He convinced himself that my boyfriend had coerced me to stay because my boyfriend knew my dad's rules, he didn't, and wanted me to break them on purpose. His rules being that my that he's my father and he should be able to tell his 19 to 20 year old daughter whatever he wants and that she should obey. This whole shenanigan didn't go away quietly or quickly and my boyfriend and I were very quickly told that we couldn't see each other as much as we had been uh, and were nearly banned from seeing each other so no dates, nothing altogether. We still had a midnight rendezvous... My goodness me, that word is hard for me to say today. We still had midnight rendezvous because fuck being banned from seeing your partner at 20 20 years old by your parent. But understandably, it put my boyfriend and I into a pretty bad depression. I should also note that after the episode in July, I began to devise a plan to leave and move out. And so my midnight rendezvous switched from pleasures of the night to here, boyfriend, take this bag I've stuffed full of my stuff so that I can leave. The summer goes by in early October. After going through three more bad episodes, I decided one morning that I was going to see my boyfriend before I had to go to work because I missed him and wanted to feel better by seeing him. My father, like the psycho he is, tracks my phone and sees that I'm at my boyfriend's house. He then proceeds to assault my phone with texts and calls saying that I'm a liar and a manipulator and that I'm dating a narcissist. That was my final straw. All of it was bullshit, so I put my phone on silent and ignored his texts. While I was at work, I devised another plan for when I got home. I would somehow leave and be done with my father's abuse. So when it came time to go home, my dad was giving me the silent treatment, thank God, as soon as I walked through the door. My mother, bless her, knew I was planning to move out and had on occasion helped me bring stuff to my boyfriend's house behind my father's back. So when I told her tonight was the night, she did all she could to make sure I could leave without my father knowing. I packed up the rest of my things as best I could between numerous travel bags and Ikea bags, snuck my ways downstairs, through my kitchen and up the back steps to my car. All the while, mother did the dishes quite loudly, did laundry and even vacuumed to cover the noise. Once my car was loaded, I gave my mum a hug and a kiss goodbye and I set off. 
It was such a nerve-wracking experience and the entire time my heart was in my throat. As I drove away to my sanctuary, I swear the universe was smiling at me. I hit all green lights and the moon was a perfect crescent hanging like a hanging bowl. It looked as if the moon was smiling down, down on me and it was totally surreal. Now in 2022, I moved in with my boyfriend. I'm going to therapy, writing like a lunatic and even my mum has worked up the courage to defy my father and keep putting him in his place when he tries to be an arsehole. And don't tell anyone, but I'm fairly certain she's committed to divorcing him within the next year or so. So this was my long, long, long rebellion, rebellion story. Um, I, I think there are everyday rebellions and then there are rebellions that take so much courage and so much internal power and strength to walk away that they are awe-inspiring. And this is one of those stories. I have had some difficult relationships in my past, not with my parents. My parents are wonderful, um, but with part, past partners. And I understand the difficulty and the mental turmoil that you go through when you know that you need to leave and you don't know how to do that. And I, I just thought that this rebellion was amazing and I have so much respect for you and I really hope that you have all of the success and that therapy helps and yeah just know that I and all of the listeners are incredibly proud of you for what you did and the fact that you rebelled and you walked away under such difficult circumstances so thank you so much for sharing uh, what is such an intimate and personal rebellion thank you Next week on the show, I'm talking to two guests, Heidi Goody and Ian Grant, and we are talking about a much lighter conversation next week. We're talking about how to write funny shit. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.